this thing I'm doing is not about greed. It's about um, a message I felt I had to get out there and a thing I felt I had to do. You know, there's a lot of junk out there too in the world, as you know, you know, people like, oh, this is a straw that is also a knife that is also a blouse, <laughs> you know, and it's like, did you, do we really need that? Like, don't we have enough junk in the landfills? Like, yeah. you know, do we need it? <laughs> <laughs> this is Super Shiro's, the show where we interview women doing amazing things in the world to inspire, empower, and entertain you. Welcome to Super Shiro's. So today we're here with Rosella, or Rosie, Rosie Kennedy, <laughs> and she is the founder and owner of the Brave Sis Project, which she describes as a message and a movement of wellness and, and intercultural sisterhood. Brave Sis uplifts impactful women of color and history across ethnicities as a way of fostering awareness, celebration, and creativity. So hi, how are you? I am great. I'm great. You know, um, it's a gray, cloudy day here in Northern California, but we're just going to be cozy and keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how's quarantine for you? Oh, man. Quarantine's been really difficult. One of the things you know is someone who I love very much and enjoy dancing with a lot has been inaccessible to me for oh my heavens, what is it, seven months now? And so, you know, not being able to dance and be with um, my community, the people I really love and to have that joy has been really, you know, it's taken a toll. It's taken a toll, but you know, Kaylin, every morning I wake up and I'm just grateful that I'm alive, that I don't have COVID. Yeah. I do have family members that I've lost to COVID back in New York in the spring. So I just try to keep a perspective that right now we're being called to a level of, of, of resilience and bravery that most of us, even people my age, don't know. And so I'm just trying to stay strong. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm glad you are doing what you can. Yeah, but what you. have you been doing to like keep yourself uplifted? Well, you know, besides this little project, Brave Sis, which has really kind of taken over my heart and spirit and given me a lot of energy and a sense of a bigger purpose than just myself, I also, during the course of the pandemic, started a new job. Now, this was back in April, so it's not that new anymore, but it's the, it's the most interesting and impactful and exciting uh, job I've ever had. So like my day job and my day life working for the um, Elemental Accelerator, which is um, a climate tech startup accelerator. It's um, really exciting, really big, really demanding, really um, energizing. And then when the evening comes or the weekend comes, I have to shift gears entirely and become Ms. Brave Sis. Uh, Interestingly enough, um, I'm starting to find where the two things overlap and where, where, where this idea of saving the earth and working really hard for the climate to mitigate climate change. Actually, there were a lot of brave cis foremothers who, who did that kind of work back in the day. And like there were a lot of farmers and a lot of brave women back then doing all these things. And I actually see where they come together. You know, you have to be bold. You have to be creative. You can't give up. You can't listen when people say no. Yeah. You know? So it's been it's been really interesting over the past few weeks, especially to see how the two sides of my life actually are feeding each other. I feel very blessed because that's not every day we have that kind of opportunity. 
Yeah. yeah, it's lucky you found that job that, like you said, it they could interconnect. Yeah. Um, so can you explain what Bracis is specifically? Sure. Uh, so, you know, sorry, there was something in my, in my tongue. Um, now I can more clearly. Um, so, you know, Bracis is several things. The most um, tangible thing it is, and I'll try to show it to you, it always disappears when I have the fake background, right? I've got New York City in the background. <laughs> you see that kind of, so... You know, first of all, well, come back. It's the journal. It's there we go. It's the um, journal slash history book slash planner slash coloring book, right? And so, I um the the shipment should arrive maybe next week. I'm gonna have three thousand copies of this book in my house, uh, and that I'm hopefully gonna you know ship out to people very quickly. Um, so I started as a planner and a journal. Right. Because um, honestly, I, I wanted to take a turn in my life that was more purposeful and more in control of my life and, you know, being in charge of my own self. And I was looking for a journal and I really didn't like what was out there. Yeah. Like a lot of the journals are really cute. They're like they're kind of like a little more suburban than I am. They were all very white. You know, I have yeah. a problem with that, but I did, I got annoyed when I didn't see myself in it at all. You know, it's like it's one thing if you see like one woman who doesn't look like you, but if every single woman is like blonde and thin on the beach in her bamboo pants, yeah. you start to feel like deliberately not invited, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and then the other journals and planners were all like business, you know, take do this. And they were like very masculine and also like including quotes from men who I really don't look on as role models. I think they're quite the opposite. I think they're kind of disgusting and, and should not be in anyone's life, much less in your intimate private moments of thinking about your feelings and your thoughts. So Kayla and I said, I'm going to build my own. You know how this is when you don't see something that you want, you decide you're going to make it yourself, right? Right, exactly. You know, you wanted to do a podcast because you had a voice you wanted to put out there. And so, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And so I started working on that. And on Christmas morning, I had like this visitation from the spirit and force of my grandmother. And, but all of a sudden it became all the other women, you know, it's just like this, this thing that came over me and they were like, tell my story. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're asking, you know, I really let myself bathe in that sensation. And I started looking up women of color, you know, black women first, but then other women of color, because I have right. a lot of friends who are Asian, Latina, Native American, um, Native Hawaiian, um, and, wanted, and white women too, of course. And I wanted to find something that could uplift our common story as, you know, black and brown women, and then invite other women in to learn and experience. So I started working on this journal. I started finding, I started researching, you know, little known women. I decided I wanted to focus on people who weren't the household names. It was so interesting. Along the way, it turned into something besides the book. As I started doing more social media and started having people interact with it and say, oh, this reminds me of my aunt or my grandmother who did this, I realized I could actually build a community at the same time and then all of the events of this spring happened and the black american experience and the black american women's experience became a very high priority for many people and so folks have said to me did you do that on purpose i was like no i did not order social unrest on purpose so that we would be talking about women of color no i did not. <laughs> but it feels like it is of the time 
that our times that we live in with COVID, we've all been called to really re-examine our life and how we're living it and what we're doing with our time. Yeah. This idea of being able to kind of like sit with your thoughts, read about a famous woman in the past, imagine what you would ask her if you could interview her and what she would tell you. It's kind of like a meditation almost. And I think that kind of practice can be helpful to us all, no matter what age we are, just to be a little more mindful and aware and celebratory, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want, I definitely want one. I already want one from the beginning, but now hearing you talk about it, once they, once you get them, I will be getting one. Don't you worry. As soon as they come in, you guys are among the first addresses in my database to get a copy. So (laughs) thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you feel knowing that like, you were talking about how someone could say, this person reminds me of my aunt or my grandma or whoever. How do you feel knowing that this journal that you just thought out of, out of the blue really impacts people? You know what's been really, um, first of all, I just feel really humbled and really moved, right? Um, I will tell you this since, you know, your mom is one of my dance teachers. You know, I was talking with a uh, uh, my my former teacher, I would take class with three times a week, right? Ryan, last week we were on a Zoom call and I was telling him uh, and my other friends who were on the call about Brave Sis and how it came and everything. And I said, yeah, when you left town, I had all this time on my hands and I guess I did this. And he was like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think it is true. I like something shifted in my life and I had a different... I needed to find a different way to focus myself. And so I turned inward and it feels like it's kind of miraculous and beautiful and magical and wonderful the way this all kind of came out. What I feel most proud of is I've created this book that my two sisters who, who, who stopped with a high school education, they didn't go to college. They want this book. They can't wait to have their journal and to do their, their brave sis thing, mm-hmm. right? But then my niece, who is like, you know, a federal judge who was appointed to her job by Chief Justice Roberts, like she's got a huge job, master's degree in law, whatever they call it, a jade, whatever they call it in law, you know, from Harvard. She wants it too, right? And so like this idea that I've created something that no matter what walk of life or station of society you're in, you can make use of it that feels really great. You know, it feels like I can say when all is said and done, I'm putting something out there that is useful to many people and can hopefully make their, make their lives better because we all have it inside us. Sometimes what we need to do is just chill, you know, like mute the noise enough to sort of take stock of what's already in us. right? Right. And, you know, I have two daughters and they're older than you. They're 19 and 22. But as I watch them, you know, begin to step out into the world. Of course, it's been stopped because of the pandemic, but as I watch them anyway, you know, I want them to have the tools to be the strongest self they can be as well, you know? So I feel very humbled, very honored to be bringing this out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, going back to what you said about just focusing, like, you know, figuring everything out, I feel like that's even more important now during quarantine and COVID. So also I saw one of your posts, this is kind of like a lot of ideas, but I saw one of your posts about um, how that you should be celebrating ourselves. And I was just wondering, how are you doing that during quarantine? And 
That is a really good question because I do feel in this moment, I am working way too much, right? Like I'm just Mm -hmm. working all the time. I'm not active enough. I, I, I buy all these great books on Amazon, these great novels I want to read and they just pile up on my nightstand. (laughs) Um, And it's really, really hard I actually, because now we're coming into the time of year where the books are arriving and I have to talk to folks about it and everything, I sort of made a commitment to myself uh, last week that I was going to get back on like a regular plan of, you know, being physically active and like, because that just, it's going to help that your mom's starting classes again next week too, because it's been like the, the desert, you know, it's just been like the dry desert of nothing. So I do think I'm going to get a little more mindful about like my wellness, my physical wellness. And, um, the other thing that I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, um, even though it's work, I've been researching new women all the time because I got to do the 2022 book and I'm actually going to have a book contract coming out for a different form of Gravesis. So that's a scoop for you. I I just, I I got the word from the publisher last week. It's really awesome and super exciting. So I have a lot of work still to do, but you know what, Kaylin, it's almost like researching the women and figuring out which ones I want to include and who I want to uplift it's kind of joyful because it's like meeting, it's like meeting some new friends, you know, and like a lot of us like didn't learn history because they don't teach it as much in the schools as they used to, or a lot of people's attitude is like, uh, who cares about those old timers, you know, but it's actually the more you know about the people who came before you, the better choices you can make in the life you're living today. So it, it feels very um, fulfilling to spend time researching and meeting these people so and I guess that's good because they say if you love what you do you never feel like you're working so yeah (laughs) Yeah. well I know that I would much rather learn about these impactful women of color than the white men oh my gosh right so you know I mean I'll tell you um it's really interesting too because in my day job you know it has to do with the tech industry and that industry is very you know bro oriented and yet i just spent five and a half hours this morning um watching ted climate countdown it started at eight and it ended like 20 minutes before we came on and they had all these people talking about the climate crisis and how 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 urgent it is and They had all these people, Kaylin, and they had all these wonderful people from like India and, um, you know, um, Africa, like all over Africa and and like just all these really cool people. Right. And, And they were talking about the climate and all of this stuff. And I was just like, you know, I said to my husband, you know, it is so much more interesting when we're not just looking at American people, it is so right. like they had this singer from Nigeria. She's like a huge star and Beyonce sang with her and did stuff with her. And she was up there doing her song and her little dance. And I was like, honest to God, what a wonderful world it really is. And the more we, the more we like learn about and embrace that, like just the diversity of people, how they look, how they dress, what they want to do, what they have to say. It's awesome. So I do hope at some point later I can do like a world grave sis and do one about women who were born outside the U.S. because there's so many interesting ones, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what work have you done before your new tech job in Brave Sis? Oh man, oh man. You know, um, I worked a lot. Um, so I worked in nonprofit almost all of my career. Uh, when I first was starting out, you know, I lived in, I did my master's degree in Paris, France. And oh, fancy. Yeah, it was fancy. It had its moments. It had its good moments and it definitely had its bad moments. That new Netflix show, Emily in Paris, my life was nothing like that. <laughs> You've seen it or not, but it was nothing like that. Um, so I worked for I worked for media a lot in the beginning, and I feel like that's really serving me now. I I I did you know my degrees were in literature, so I thought I would be a writer and like you know a journalist like everyone does, or a novelist like everyone comes out of college. I'm going to write the great American novel. So I worked for magazines for a while, um, and then I worked for online magazines. And then uh, let's see, when Jazzy, who's now 22, was um, two, I guess, I started um, working, running a, a um, performing arts organization with my husband because it was a way like he started it. I helped him run it. And it was sort of a way that I could work from home and, you know, whatever. And we were in New Mexico where there weren't any jobs anyway. So you have to sort of make up your own. So I worked in um, performing arts for a long time. I, I've done a lot of things. I worked in a lot of nonprofit roles. I was the state hunger coordinator in New Mexico. I worked um, on the New Mexico Centennial of Statehood, helping start that nonprofit. I started three nonprofits. Um, wow. I came back, oh my goodness, I moved to the Bay in 2012 and I was running a performing arts organization there. And then I became like a professional full-time fundraiser for nonprofits. You know, I worked with your mom at the youth serving nonprofit um, for a while. I worked a couple of environmental ones. I worked for a foundation and then I went back to the performing arts. I did that for a year. And I have to tell you, by the time I got this job now, I was so burnt out being a fundraiser. I was, you know, I feel like people don't understand what that work is. They think you can just like magically make money appear. And it <laughs> felt very pressure, very pressurized and really not fun. Like I was truly yeah. unhappy. Like, and I realized I had been unhappy for years. I'd just been doing work to make money and I didn't like it. So when I started Brave Sis, I didn't think, oh, wow, this is going to be my business and I'm going to be like an entrepreneur. It was just like, I had to do the project. And I still feel that way. Like a lot of people are like, oh, are you a solopreneur? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just doing this project because I love it. And then I was blessed because I stopped. It's like they say about love, you know, when you stop looking, it comes to you. I then someone said, hey, this organization is looking for someone you should apply. And miraculously and beautifully, I got the job. And they hired me as development director, but within like a month, we changed my title because it isn't about begging from, I would say it's not the banjo bucket beggar brigade, right? Like, please give me, you know, it's yeah. like talking to people about the climate and finding out what they want to do to help fix it. And then see if they have money to give towards it. It's a really different approach, right? Yeah. And so I love it. I love it. I talk with very powerful people um, to learn what they're interested in. You know, I don't want to talk too much about my company because, you know, except to say um, we help entrepreneurs, actually business owners who are creating new projects and new products that help save the earth. I will give you an example. 
The coolest one is called Source. I think this is so cool. I mean, there are a lot, but it's a guy who built this like solar array looking thing, but it, you know, these chemists are incredible. It pulls hydrogen and oxygen out of the air at night to make drinking water. So it's like pulling the water molecularly from the air. And he's wow. doing it in like the outback in Australia, in Navajo country where they have no water. I mean, that's kind of like crazy magic, right? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but it's a business and he's trying to get contracts and sell business. So we're helping him as an accelerator. That kind of stuff is really cool. And it's a little link to Brave Sis for me because it's like they have to be problem solvers. And all these right. women back in their lifetimes, they had problems. Women couldn't vote. Slavery was existing. The civil rights movement was like a thing we needed. You know, um, the first Chinese woman to vote in the U.S. They had problems and they figured out ways to push the dial and solve it. Right. And they didn't take no for an answer, right? Because it was like, no. I have to do this thing. So there's a little bit of a um, synergy there and that feels really cool. Well, you were talking about how you kind of have to switch from doing your day job to then working on Brave Sis during the weekend. Do you wish you had more time to work on Brave Sis? Yeah, I do. I mean, I kind of wish I could work a four day work week <laughs> because I really do love my job, but it is, um, like, it almost feels like as soon as you get the momentum going, like, as soon as I'm like, oh, yeah, I got all this, it's Sunday night and I got to switch. Or as soon as, like, I'm really in a groove at work, it's already, like, Friday morning. I mean, I've worked all week, but it's already Friday morning. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to finish all of this today because I got to switch gears. So it is a balance. It's easier for me that my daughters are, you know, basically adults, right? They weren't living with us before the COVID hit. And so I don't have, you know, I'm not doing all of the things of like having children and raising them and yeah. driving them around and doing all that stuff. So that does give me a little more time. Um, my older sister said to me, Rosie, this is your time. You have, you have worked long and hard to deserve this. So you take your time and do the things you have to do. But, um, you know, there's never enough time to get everything done you want to do. So even if I had a four-day work week, I'd probably want a three-day work week. <laughs> You know? Yeah, sometimes you want more than you want less. Yeah, it's just you got to go with the flow. I always said, because they always said, women, can you have it all? You can't have it all. And I always said, you know, you can have it all, just not at once, right? Yeah. You have to, like, there is a season for this and then a time for that and compromise. And, you know, it's, 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 um, it's an interesting journey to look at when you map it out over time. And that's something I didn't really realize until I became older. You know, you can't really know it when you're young because you haven't had enough um, perspective to see it. So, I know Brave Sis isn't a novel, it's a journal, but when you study journalism in college, did you ever think that you would end up making a planner journal thing? <laughs> you know, I didn't, but now that I've done it, I realize how much that helped me because I used to, so I, I did journalism in France when I was doing my master's degree and then in New York and then when I lived in Santa Fe, right? So I had different things. I worked for magazines a lot. So, and then even fundraising, a lot of that is writing too. So mm -hmm. I think I always was a very good storyteller. Like I was able to get, convey necessary information one way or another. 
working in magazines, you kind of learn not to be so in love with your prose. You know, you can't be like precious, like, oh, my sentence is so perfect. You can't change it because editors change your stuff. I've been an editor too. So I think that helped me learn how to be succinct and not to be so in love with my own words that I couldn't change things or wasn't open to feedback. Um, I think a lot of the articles I used to write for magazines were what we now call listicles. You know, it's like 10 things you can do to freshen up your house or whatever, right? And so I think that sort of idea of the back and forth, like the Q&A mentality of the writing was in me too. Um, and I'll tell you, for me, living in France as I did and speaking fluent French and other languages, I think that helps make me a better writer because I can like see images and see words in a different way. So I do think a lot of my past experience and then being a reader, you, you're always, the more you read, the better you are as a writer. But this is very different from sort of like essay writing or memoir writing or fiction writing. It's, um, it's more utilitarian because you're writing to get information across and then to get people to do something or say something or feel some way, you know, so. Well, out of all the people in your journal, is there one that, or I'll give you five that you really oh, connect with. Gosh. That's from one extreme to another, five. Well, I saw your face and you seemed like one wasn't enough, so well, I gave you five. Hard to pick just one. It's like, you know, I have 82 children here and how do you pick one? So I'll tell you. Um, so first of all, when I worked with the illustrator, um, some of the pictures just came out so wonderfully that I felt like I was, like I knew the people and stuff. Um, but like one of the ones who, who um, stands out for me the most, I'm looking for her in here. Of course, I won't find her since I'm looking in real time. It's um, a woman named Polly Bemis. And I love her. I think she was born in the fall. Um, and I love her because she was sold into slavery from her village in China, right? Um, to the U.S. She came to San Francisco. She was, you know, she had to be, you know, a sex worker because that's what they did with the women when they brought them here. Uh, she had her feet were bound, you know, which was the Chinese mm -hmm. traditional thing. Somehow this woman managed to get herself to Iowa, I believe. And she took up with some like mountain man, some burly mountain man. And like, she took care of him and he took care of her. And like, like you hear she is when was she born september 11th and you couldn't september 11th 1853 okay wow. so 110 years before me you couldn't mess with her she had a laundry business she was a business owner she was like a boss babe out in iowa in the late 1800s and i love her story because she went from being human cargo to like a business owner so i just right. And I mean, you know, she got lucky a few times, but she also didn't give up. And she was also like five, four foot three or so. I mean, she was tiny. So I always love her story because I think she is so cool. And then another one I really enjoyed was a woman named Don, Danielle Luna. And she was the first black woman to appear on the cover of an international fashion magazine, British Vogue. Mm -hmm in 1966 so I was three and um she was like the muse you know she hung out with oh god um what's Andy Warhol and the Rolling Stones and all this and unfortunately her life ended young you know but um she did have a daughter 
And when I was doing the research, if someone had, if I could find they had children, I tried to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm writing this book. I want to include your mom, you know, you know right. cool with that, blah, 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 blah. And her daughter and I have like become friends. Like we've become, I found her through LinkedIn. I told her the story. She was like, oh my gosh, what a way to honor my mother. I just love it. We've talked, we've done like, um, you know, um, WhatsApp calls. She had her father send me like an exclusive family photo of her that we used for the illustration. And her daughter wants to make a documentary about her. And she's like, your interest in my mother gives me, you know, encouragement that people will want to know her story so I I just was like I was really wow. honored like that yeah, just that's crazy that was just like wow so yeah so that's two and then I don't know um <laughs> um I think maybe Maria Tall Chief who uh, um was the first Native American um uh, prima ballerina she's pretty cool um she lived in the in the early, you know, 1900s. And I love this woman. Uh, you may have seen her. Oh, there we go. I don't know if you saw her. Isn't on she the Hawaiian? Yeah, the queen, the last queen of Hawaii, Lily yeah. Ukalani. And I just love her because, you know, she tried really hard to keep the U.S. from annexing Hawaii. She tried and she did not succeed. But like, even to this day in Hawaii, like people like love her and celebrate her. And like we on the mainland, we never heard of her, right? And so it's like, it's her time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just a whole bunch. And then, you know, Kaylin also, in addition to the book, on my website is a free digital pop-up. And I had been doing that throughout the pandemic, just so if people wanted to have a, you know, a practice of quieting their mind and um, journaling, they could have it without all the drawings and the quotes and all that just very streamed down. And um, that gave me the chance to include a lot more women than I could include in the book. And so if you go to the website, um, yourbravesis.com, you can see the digital journal and download it and you'll see like, you know, 90 other women who no one's heard of or very few have some of them are famous some of them are alive in the book i really only included women who who have passed on um and for the most part people who were born no later than like the 1950s you know because i wanted it to feel like they were foremothers you know like great grandmothers and right yeah so wow i still can't believe that it's crazy um in your journal there's sections for everything I'm assuming so like there's a coloring a calendar yeah. little journaling yeah so I just open happened to open to a page so there's May and so you know woo. Mm -hmm. and so like every month you've got like your month so you can write out your things that you want I start each month with like a pretty colorful page it's like an inspirational mm -hmm quote and you know i wanted it to be colorful because a lot of journals oh my god especially the ones that are like you go girl you know like women's power journal and you're like oh what a beautiful cover and then you open it and literally every page is the same black and white it's like oh you did nothing you put in no effort at all and it's either all black and white or like all pink and and like flowers and exactly oh, and i just was like no we're not i mean we do have we do have a little pink there on the corner but it's tasteful and it's like not it's not girly 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 right yeah so every day every week is a two-page spread so you can sort of like and i mean you can't see but you will see soon like it just has the day and like the hours really tiny here it's not all 
filled in. So if you feel like all you want to do is just like write what, you know, I didn't want, I wanted people to feel free to make of it what they want, mm, you know, yeah. do what they want to do. And then, um, you know, after the birthday spread, right. When you have like the birthday spread in the, in the writing, then there's always a section. What would you ask them? What would, um, they tell you? So there's like a little moment for reflection, there's like a grid every, well, you can't see that at all. Sorry. There's a okay. grid that's sort of like what I want to focus on this month. There we go. Mm. Sort of see. So it's like 12 different categories, your body and health, work or school, your mind, your family, other people, the world, your spirit, creativity, or love, money, where you live and other right? Like I just was, you know, I did a lot of research. I thought a lot about like self-help books and things I'd used and seen. And so I created this grid. So every month you could take the moment to kind of assess what you, what you'd want to focus on and what's important. And then you have these pages, how I will get there, your steps to take. But I didn't want it to be overwhelming. You know, some of those books, they have like grids and all these things you got to fill up. Yeah. Now who has time? Most that women don't have time for that. That's, it's really smart. It's like not overwhelming, but you have everything plus a little more that you will need. You take and, what you want and yeah. you the rest. They're like, you know, I did little prompts on the sidebar. So like may, who are five phenomenal people in my life? And then the next one is, mm, yum, some of my favorite scents are. And the next one is something my body is telling me, you know, ways I can bring more peace into my life. I did a lot of research about the things that have uplifted and helped me, helped me and my friends. And I tried to put that in there. I put in a couple of quotes from famous women as well. Not as many as I will in future ones, because there was a lot going on, you know, but I, I mean, there's nothing really like it in the, in the market right now. It's really got a lot of, a lot of different pieces put together. And then the spread is indeed a coloring book page. Hold on one second. Don't go. One second. I'm going to grab it. Here's the older, here's the older prototype. And this is the one that I like decorated the cover and stuff, you know, just to sort of play around. But, um, let's see where it is. The joy of being alive. Uh, Can't ever find anything when you need to. <laughs> I know. I should have opened the pages ahead of time. Ah, oh, voila. Here we go. So I did that spread, you know. You can That's pretty. I was having fun because, you know, I'm not like the most, I'm not like the most, you know how like some people in the planner world, they really go for it entirely. Yeah. Stickers, they do well, pictures. Space for you to do that if that's your jam. But if you want to be more minimalist, you can kind of be like me and just put in different colors and circle things and decorate it the way you want. I even find in my day job, it is very helpful for me when I'm taking notes to use different color pens, mm -hmm. so I can circle in red the things I have to do today, and I can put a star. You know, it helps you organize. Color is a very helpful way to, yeah. to help yourself. Every time school starts, I get a whole new pack of markers, pencils, pens, something. That's like yes. the best part of school is going to school shopping. I remember pens. that. I remember that. And you know, Kaylin, I think grown women want that too. Because like like coloring, here's this page. Uh, let's get it. There we go. I, you know, so I, I made Braves' pencils too, right? Uh, I worked with a, a manufacturer to make these boxes of pencils and each pencil says bravery is my favorite color and I wanted this to be a coloring book so 
I tried out all these different mediums to see what would work. Like, oops, like uh, I had my daughter use watercolor pens and we got this like really gorgeous thing. But this paper is not made for watercolor paper. You have to use watercolor paper. So this is what happened on the other side. It all bled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we were really experimenting and trying different things. But the pencils I like because they create a very light and subtle because this paper mm -hmm. I'm getting very technical now, but this paper is a little slick. So like pencils don't work on it the way they would on like a rougher paper, but it allows you to kind of go in with a really soft, subtle hand. And that's actually, that felt kind of very relaxing in a way because it's like, you have to go soft, which is like, it's like breathing, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can have your coloring book experience too. So how do you like make, do you have to make time to journal or is it kind of like, you know, what, I'm going to take a break and go journal? So, yeah, you know, um, that is a really good question because um, I'm so busy working. I don't journal regularly, but I will when the book comes out because I will be using it too. Um, but what I have been doing is once a week, I do do the part of like planning out the week, right? Like, mm -hmm planning out the things that are coming up. And so that organizational part has been my thing. I have not been able to do sort of a daily reflection or anything because I'm so busy writing the book, right? It's almost like physician heal thyself, you know? So I haven't done that, but I, I, I will look forward to being more deliberate about that practice. Um, and the other thing that I, I think I've been, um, doing um a little bit more of is uh meal planning because like I wanted this mm. to be like you could use it for whatever you want right right so now I'm like trying to like plot out Monday we're gonna eat this Tuesday because that's like the best way to stay healthy is to plan your meals in advance I know that definitely and, and, like you know we got out of the habit so just like the small ways I can be a little more organized in my life in terms of actual journaling um in a way, Kaylin, I feel like the work I'm doing on social media around Brave Sis is actually a way of journaling for me because I'm keeping track of my journey doing this book. So it's um, right. and it's public. So that's kind of not the way it's going to be for most people. Most people are going to be doing it privately, but yeah. I just have a question kind of for my own personal interest. Of course. You, when you get when you finally get the copies, are you going to send them out for the rest of this year or are you going to just send them out for the next year? Oh, no, girl. I am going to be rushing to send them all out before the... I mean, it's, it's, it's really nerve-wracking, honestly, I will tell you, because I wrote the books whew, January, February, March, right? So by like April, it was done. When did we go into lockdown in, in Northern California? March. Like, March. Beginning so of March. The week that we went into lockdown, I got the first version of the book from the factory, right? Like the per first prototype in March. So you can imagine. So then I took some of April and a little teeny bit of May to make some tweaks, to finish things, edit, copy, edit, whatever, get all the drawings done. You know, I, ha I, I, I worked with an illustrator who was actually a student. She was actually 18 years old, really lovely young woman. And it was fun working with her because she had a viewpoint that really, it just helped me see the women differently. We had a really great time. Anyway, 
all of this to say, I was going to do the Kickstarter in May. I'm just giving you this story because this is like mm-hmm. the, the, the founder's story and it shows you how you have to kind of go with the flow. Right. So I was going to do the Kickstarter in May, get the books printed in June, send them out in like August, give a lot of time for Buzz to build and just sit back and watch it all happen, right? Well, I didn't do that because in May we were like in the worst of the COVID and I was like, there's no way I can like, that would be so insensitive of me. So I'm going to push it back to June. So I did it, the Kickstarter from June to July. I could not order the books until August when I got paid from Kickstarter because it was like, you know, close to $20,000 to print all of these, right? Wow. Yeah, it's not cheap. And so... I couldn't front that money up. So I had to wait to Kickstarter to give me the money. And then I did the orders and then I did the order. It took them a month to produce and now a month for them to get over here. Right. So that's two months. The books arrived in LA in the port on Thursday, but they got to get off the boat, get in a warehouse, get on a van and then get to my house. So I probably won't have them until almost the end of October. That's making me sweat because I want to send it out to people like reviewers and like influencers. Cause I need, to, I, it's a pandemic. I can't do book parties. I can't do media appearances. Right. Right. Gotta be all like word of mouth. Cause people are going to get the book until like election day. And who's going to be thinking about anything around the election. We're all going to be like under a rock praying to God for the outcome we need. Right. We're not going to be like, Oh, what's new. And so really, I only have like maybe five or six weeks to get these all out. Because people should have it by January 1st, right? It's like it's a 2021 book. So it's interesting when you think about producing something to think how much goes into it and how much time you need on the front end. So the bottom line is my husband, my older daughter, and I are waiting we're chomping at the bit for that truck to show up. We've got the boxes. We've got a thousand boxes. We've got labels. We've got the label maker. We've got the machine to do all of it. We're ready to just send them out. And so I have about like 700 to send out, which means I have close to 2000 more to try to get out. And so, um, you know, I'm sharing the word to people to go to bravesys.com and place the order. We have, um, uh, you know, now that it's in pre-order, there's a discount. And once I get them in stock, I'm going to put the price at the regular price. So I'm trying to all sorts of different things to, but you'll get yours before Thanksgiving. That I can assure you, because you're also close, but I could even drive yours over to your house. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so no, we want to get them, you know, we want to get them out the door and moving um, if we still have some in 2021, you know, people can still get it, but I don't want them to miss a day. Because, like, even the first week of January has some pretty cool women in it you want to. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your Kickstarter. Like, how successful was it? It was 300% funded. And so I'll give you some tips for the folks if they're ever thinking of doing a crowdfund. First of all, the difference between Kickstarter and Indiegogo is Indiegogo will let you keep all of the money, even if you don't reach your goal. Kickstarter, if you don't reach your goal, you don't get any of the money, right? So people who want to, I decided to go with Kickstarter because it's the, it's like Xerox or Kleenex. It's the word we use for the thing. It's the most commonly known one. So I wanted to use Kickstarter. So my first pro tip is pick a, a goal that you can reach. 
even if it's really low. So my goal was 5,000. No, it was 7,500. I raised close to 25,000, right? Wow. And what happened was because ahead of time, like months ahead, I started writing everyone I know and saying, I've built this thing. This speaks from my heart. I'm asking, you know, I'm a fundraiser, Kaylin. I'm asking you to pledge that you will support it when the Kickstarter comes out right? That's, I'm used to asking people for money and people did. So what happened was the day it launched, I met my goal. I got, I got, um, all $7,500 on the first day and a half. And so then you look like a success. So then when like some random person just looking through Kickstarter and they, maybe they supported an artistic product in the past and they see that they see hundred percent funded, they're like, Ooh, yes. And so then that's how, you know, and then I kept writing people. It's a lot of work. It's, you have to really, really do the work and reach out to people and sell, sell, sell. So then I ended up at like, you know, um, 300% funded. Now I have a friend who did a Kickstarter for a project. It's more like a product and it's cool, but it's something you could kind of buy in many different places, but she had a special spin on it. She's very excited. She made a goal let me get this right, $70,000 or something like that? Like some 40, some ridiculously, because she wanted to pay herself. She's like, well, I worked on this. I got to get paid. When you're an entrepreneur starting a business, you're the last one to get paid. That's just the way it goes. Right. Last time I looked, she hadn't even gotten to $1,000. Really? Yes. Sad. That's like a fail, right? And that's really sad. So I just always say to people when you're gonna, if you're gonna do a crowdfund, make the goal low so you can crush it and reach out to people in advance and get them to promise you that they're gonna support it so you can go out of the gate really strong. Yeah. And don't be greedy. Don't be greedy because these things, you know, like this thing I'm doing is not about greed, it's about um, a message I felt I had to get out there and the thing I felt I had to do, you know, there's a lot of junk out there too in the world, as you know, you know, people like, oh, this is a straw that is also a knife that is also a blouse, <laughs> you know, and it's like, did you, do we really need that? Like, don't we have enough junk in the landfills? Like, yeah. you know, do we need it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're pretty much done. I was going to ask for advice. You pretty much just gave it to me. But if you have anything else of advice with someone who wanted to start their own journal and yeah. coloring book, anything. <laughs> so I just want to say one of the reasons I was so delighted that you asked me to be on your show is you remind me so much of me when I was your age because I put together books when I was like, you know, even much younger than you, you know, like I still have them. Like I didn't pop up books when I was like in second grade. and in fourth grade, you know, we had the old mimeograph machines. I like did a newsletter for my school. I remember Nixon was president. That's how old I am. Ah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, did you know the M in Nixon stands for Millhouse? You know, it's like, whatever, you know, and I'd always been like that creative person building mm -hmm. my little things. If we had had podcasts back then, I probably would have had one. So I think the most, the biggest advice I would give is no matter what, anyone says to you or you think your situation is don't ever throw away your curiosity and your creativity 
right? Like, I feel like I, I repressed it because I was like, oh, I don't have time. I got too many other things to do. Never lose it, Kaylin, because like, look how happy I am now that I've reconnected with that part of myself. I mean, yeah. I just feel so good and I don't want anyone to waste time not doing it. And not everything you do is going to be something that I, I talked to some college students about this a couple of weeks ago. I said, not everything you do is going to be for money and like get you money, but the pleasure of doing it and saying, this is who I am. I am a creative person. I'm an artist. This is who I am. That's already a form of currency. And we need to start to, as a society, like valuing that, yes, you have to make money and pay the bills and do your things. And that's where the balance comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. But Like people so often think it's like one or the other, and they've got this binary approach to life. And we just like the world isn't actually even like that in nature. So we don't need to be pretending to be that way as human beings either so that would be my encouragement and the last piece it's kind of the opposite of what I just said is know what you are worth you know like women especially and I would say white women as well as we women of color and we black women are so quick to say oh never you mind oh excuse me no okay I'll just do it for free and somebody said to me the day Rosie think like a man I was like what because I was like I was talking to her and she was, I said, oh, I'll send you a copy. And she was like, I'm buying a copy, girl. Think like a man. Why are you going to be giving it away to me? I'm going to support you, Black woman. And so I was like, well, okay, I will think like a man. And so we need to like not make excuses for ourselves as women in this world. And we need to just step into the space and be like, hey, I'm here in the space. Man, stop like compromising. That, you know, and yeah, and not hiding and not being like, oh, never you mind, you know, just step into your your beautiful strength and creativity and power because no one takes that away and I think that's kind of why I did this journal too is I want to help some women get back to that place because we've been beaten down by life many of us in lots of different ways and you know what they always say you can't control what happens but you can control how you react to it so it's like a muscle the more you practice it <laughs> she says who hasn't exercised in months and months but <laughs> But the more you practice that muscle, the stronger it gets. And when we do get back in dance class, I think I'm going to remember all the routines because they're in my muscle memory, right? And right. So that's what we're working on. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for doing this. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited for you. I'm really proud of you for having this program too. I think it's really great. What a wonderful way to be creative in this time when we're all stuck in the house. So Good luck with all of it. And um, thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening. Once again, we want to thank Rosella for being on the show and talking about the great things she's doing in the world. Be sure to check out her journal at bravesis.com and know that bravery is not a choice. It's a force. Share the show with other superheroes in your life. Now go explore the world. <laughs>